Welcome to Rethink, the Financial Advisor Podcast. My name is Adam Holtz. And this is Derek Notman. We are your hosts, both veteran advisors and fintech CEOs who challenge the status quo, question everything, and have fun doing it. Hear honest commentary on the challenges facing advisors today. And be part of a community where we can all rethink the profession. Now on to our episode. Adam, are you your client's coach? Are you a player coach or are you a player? Hmm. I'm not sure. And I don't mean player as in the play. Uh... <laughs> oh, gosh. That just yeah. depends on what time of my life we go back to looking at. Um, were you the guy? I'm sorry, but I have to ask now. Were you the guy that had the gold chain with the big clock around his neck? Well, I did grow up in Brooklyn. So uh, oh. Flava Flav was, uh, you know, an icon, but uh, not so much in, in Brooklyn Heights. But I can't <laughs> say I wasn't ignorant. No, I, I can't say I was that player. It's an interesting question, Derek, because this has come up several times in our conversations about identity and role. And it really ties back to several of the other podcasts that we've done around the importance of having an identity that's clearly defined for our customers going forward so they know what they're getting and they know what they're paying for. Right? I think, I mean, what's your thought? What's your thoughts on this? Because you're you're thinking of something that's that's driving this question. Well, it is an identity question. I don't know if it's just an identity question. Like there's like, because from identity, what does that mean? It means like, how are we serving our clients? How are we marketing ourselves to our clients? What are they getting from us? What do they want from us? Um, Because these roles, like this is role definition here, I guess, really is like, what are our roles for our clients? And if we haven't defined that, why not? And once we do, like, what is that? Because I, I think that there can, man, I could, we could really go spiral out of control on this one. But I think this is super important, and I, I love the 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 team sports analogy that we can draw here. And I know you've used this before, so I guess unpack that a little bit. Maybe that'll help give our, our listeners some some context on like what the heck we're talking about. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because. When you think about the analogy of sports, right? Sports works so many different ways in, in life in general. And when you think about the role that a financial professional has inside of a household to be that competent, credible, helpful decision maker to ideally put the client in a better scenario, one of the things that you can't get away from is the fact that we actually have to package that concept sell the concept to several clients, manage it, run it, execute it over long periods of time. And it creates an opportunity for us to say, well, what other, what other businesses, what other known entities can we examine to try to figure out whether we're at, attra- attacking this, uh, this challenge correctly? And, it, and because sports is so easy, the way that I've tended to describe it to clients is like, well, Think of it like I'm your financial coach and you own a team, Derek. You are bringing to me the assets, the incomes, the existing players that you've accumulated over the years. I'm walking into your clubhouse, regardless of the sport, and I'm going to now be your manager. 
I'm not coming in to be a player. I don't want to just do investment management. Or if I do, I'm just going to, I'm just coming in to be that person, that point guard, that running back. And I'm going to be the best I can at doing that. But we have seen more often that a client is looking at you as a overall financial coach. And a lot of advisors are just playing their one position. And instead, they need to take this broader view of being either the manager coach, right? To help the team win, okay? Across disciplines. Uh, or being a player coach, if you're still going to be actively on the field, right? I'm actually going to still manage your money, but I'm not going to do the insurance. Or I'm going to manage the tax, but I'm not going to handle the investment and the insurance and let's say the legal, right? But I'm going to coordinate everybody. So there has to be someone who takes the position in financial advice with the ha- with the household of taking charge. And I think you're going to see, Derek, more and more pressure for financial advisors to take a leadership role in being that overall advocate with accountability um, for wins and losses, effectively, to get their owners to the playoffs, if not every year, more often than not, right? And that's the real key. You don't have most, I don't think most clients are looking to make it to the championship every single year, right? Except maybe some clubs, we you know. Um, <laughs> but they want their teams to get to the playoffs. I, I love the analogy and it makes so much sense. And what, what's cool is here is you're not saying, well, you have to be a coach because coaches are better or you have to be a player coach or just a player. Like they all serve a specific function. That's one of the beautiful pieces of team sports, right? Maybe you just want to be the insurance player. Maybe you just want to be the investment person, whatever. But it sounds like what you're saying, Adam, is that the client, the, the team owner, right? Mm-hmm is going to get a manager, an overall team coach, manager, whatever you want to call it, from somebody. They're looking for that position. They need that person. So then the opportunity is, is like, do you as the advisor want that position or are you content to just being one of the players? Because And and if you don't define that, then that's going to get defined for you very quickly. See, that's interesting because you just made me rethink actually how you position this, which is a good reason why I think we talk it out. There are some in professional sports that some of us follow, some more than others. There are some owners of teams that sit down on the field with their, with their team. They actually come down front row and they're sitting on the front row. Or they're actually sitting on, they're standing on the field, depending on yeah. the sport, right? Um, there's some that sit up high in a box and they, they don't show up for practices. They don't watch practices. They just show up for the games. There, there are clients in financial advice that, that are very involved. Uh, yeah. They want to play an active role. In fact, they're actually doing stuff on the side that's promoting or supporting uh, the agenda of their financial where, where well-being. Or let's um, face it, messing it up sometimes. Or, right, right. <laughs> Meddling, we'll call it. Right? Yeah. Who's in charge here? Um, yeah. Right, which can, of course, cause issues. It's important for, I think, us as financial professionals to decide what kind of owner we want to work for. Do we, do we want somebody who's going to be adding to the, you know, the overall team culture being involved uh, or detracting from it? Or do we want somebody who's going to be hands-off and say, okay, let me make my decisions and I'll, I'll live and die by those. Uh, let me be involved with the entire team. There's a lot of uh, individuals we know that have some means that have moved to family offices because they want that full concierge, full team. Uh, they've got all the bells and whistles because they they want to literally delegate all things that are under their pay grade. Uh, and of course, they're still going to need a manager. And, and of course, the question is, are we a player on that team or are we literally 
going to take a leadership role. The beautiful thing is, is that we get to choose. Hmm. That's what's kind of cool. My guess is most of us probably start off as players in the industry and that's okay. You got to cut your teeth. I mean, look, look at all the great sports. They were great players first. Right. And then they're like, okay, I'm a little older now. Can't, you know, jump as high, run as fast. So I'm going to start coaching everybody because I know more. <laughs> and that's okay. That's great. Right. But that's, but that's a choice. Like, do you want to be the player turned coach or do you want to just stay that player that maybe now you're sitting the bench a little bit more often? I don't know. That's a good it, question. It really is interesting. And then, you know, I've, it's almost like individual sports versus team sports. And I don't know many, gosh, you could almost equate this to, individual sports, like people looking for just a transaction, like transaction versus planning, right? You know, we've had chats about this before and team sports is more about planning or transaction is more about, about siloed sports. And I think we can all agree that team sports, we're all on the same team. We're helping each other silos where there's, there's more competition. And I don't know if as a team manager or, or an owner, I mean, do I want my advisors competing against each other for my well-being? No, I want you all working together. Well, you know, that's a great point because if there is nobody who owns the bigger, you know, gameplay strategy, right? Nobody, it just, the, the buck has to stop someplace. Yep. That means either with a team manager or a coach or a head coach, then you're right. A lot of these players are going to be running off, you know, hoarding the ball, not passing. Uh, oh, wait, I didn't know the play. They didn't, oh, you didn't communicate. I mean, there's a hundred different analogies you can probably think about in your own mind. Uh, you know, football, you know, works so well, American football, even, even obviously European, um, yeah, yeah. is, is just, there's, there's so many aspects to coordinating. Um, a potential win, and it, it even begs the question. So, if you're if you're still kind of lost on this one, the way the way that we tend to think about it is, you know, most teams have to have an offensive team. I tend to think of that as investment management predominantly. Now, there's no question there are some people on the offensive team that play a defensive posture. Right? We have blockers, we have linemen in American football. Yeah. Um, right. We have guards. We have there's in in all the different team sports. There's there's some role of someone who's going to. While we're on attack, we need to stop people from scoring against us. There's a goal, yep. right? Even though right, we're playing a position. So in the investment side, we tend to be looking for growth and or income, right? But we need to have some defensive components. We can't be ignorant to it. So if you look at your portfolio of investment choices, as an example for diversification, these are your players. Do you have the right players on that team at any one point in time? It's never perfect, right? We have to accept the fact that I don't have the exact right player in every position, in every place on the field at exactly the right time. Otherwise, it would just be, you know, like this wouldn't be a game. It would just be like, bop, 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 bing, you're scoring. But the same thing is true on the defensive side. And I found a lot of advisors tend to ignore this one. I tend to think of the insurances and the protections as, as defense because, you know, inevitably the game goes against you, right? The tide changes. Oh, yeah. It, it really does. And, you know, insurance estate planning, tax, you know, all of those things. Like we have, it has to be, you, you need an A team, right? There's like, there's, there's a reason that we want to get the best players to fill the different roles. That's not the owner's job that if they, if they wanted that job, they wouldn't hire us as the, as the manager. It's the manager's job, right? So it's just like running a team. And as you said, yeah, you've got offense, defense, but then even operational, like you've got your offensive defensive players, but then you have like these, these trainers, 
uh, or specialists that that help the players do this or do that, right? So they've got these ancillary things. So there's there's a lot of that that's there as well. You know what though? I, I I'm just actually thinking this right now, Adam. I I wonder if some of the advisors hearing this might be getting a little anxious or nervous hmm. because this is a lot. Like 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 all right, I'm. I'm Joe Schmo advisor. I've been doing this for two years. I just got my securities license. You're telling me I got to hire all of these people. You're telling me I got to like, I got to be a, I got to, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been a player for a couple of years and I, okay, I buy the idea. I got to be a manager at some point, but, but what? Yeah. So I, I, let's help them a little bit. Like, Hey, like, it's not as bad as it sounds. No, it's, it's certainly not. I mean, our grandiose ideas are as a result of having, you know, looking back, you know, 40 some years at the business collectively, uh, and, and seeing it from a light that is now clearer having yeah. lived it. No different than the coach who was a player, right? Once you've done it, you're kind of like, okay, I know what to do, what not to do. At least I believe I know. <laughs> you're never, never perfect. Yeah. Right. Um, I think the, 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 the relevance to this for, you listening is there is an identity that is a tie to how we charge, to the expectations we create for our customers, um, and to the levels of accountability we hold ourselves to with those clients of whether we're delivering value for which we deserve to be paid in the first place. Mm -hmm. And what we're really saying is that more than ever, customers are looking for, are willing to pay for, and of course are going to want more for the money they're paying just from a value proposition aligned with helping them, uh, we'll call this holistically, or helping them make better financial decisions. From a, from a stickiness standpoint, if you think about the longevity of our business, our hope is that we're going to have these clients for 10, 20 years. And that's how we monetize it from a strict business perspective. It's lifetime value of us working together over 20 years where, where it's actually productive financially to the advisor. Um, if you don't have retention in your business, that's not good. Turnover is, hurts your business uh, and forces you to constantly look for new clients. So we want to have long-term relationships. How do we argue to the client or how do we make a position that we are worthy of being uh, in charge of this team? Uh, because there are what's going to happen is if you have some level of success and your clients have success, their needs are going to get more complicated over time. They're going to they're going to need uh-huh. that special teams every once in a while on the field. They need tax. They got a business. They got to exit. They need an attorney because they're dealing with an estate or maybe a divorce. And if you're not part of that process, then you're not creating this invaluable, uh, we'll call it life coach guide of here's how it relates back to your finances and what and how I'm making investment decisions and how I've insured this or how I've promoted this tax strategy working with your accountant. So if, if, if you're not in charge uh, and taking a leadership role, it gets very easy to remove you because then you're just a player on the team. Okay. And, and I, I'm going to say, I'm not saying this is strictly self-serving. I think the overall long-term effectiveness of a financial plan works because there's consistency in the leadership. Okay. Cause sometimes it takes years for these, you know, ch- these plans to, to play out. Right. And I, I think so, that's, that's the way to think about it. So are we telling our listeners that they all need to become coaches? Because if they all become coaches, then who's who's on defense, who's on offense, who are who do the players become, right? That that's a oh, tough man. one. So chew on that for a second. <laughs> as as a as a former player, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I you know, to answer the question at the beginning of this, I, I probably would define myself as a as a manager coach, 
with as a player sometimes. Um, but I also look for consistency from my players, right? I'm only going to trade you if you start to really do a bad job, mm-hmm. right? You know, otherwise I'm not going to get rid of you. So I, I think it, it, it comes back to this identity. If, if I just want to be that life insurance agent, okay, cool. But then I need to own that and I need to find a coach that wants me on their team and that I can be there consistently and vice versa. Because I think there's a challenge here, Adam, like for telling everybody to be a player for a while and then be a coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's enough. Is there? Do we hit market saturation then? Do we have too many coaches and not enough players? I don't know. Oh, we don't have enough of either one. I mean, the, the reason that you've shared in prior that, that, that the market opportunity is massive. It is massive. Um, and, and the number of people that need advice and haven't gotten it or haven't even been approached about it establishes the fact why there can be 300,000 life insurance agents in the US where the average person, 70% of the population is still underinsured. How is that possible? <laughs> right? <laughs> How could you have this much capacity and this many agents? that are talking about a single solution, a definable, easy to solve issue, and people are still drastically underinsured. You know, it's interesting. That's a really good point to go with this team thing. Then how many players actually talk to the team owner on a regular basis? Hmm. They usually go through the coach, the manager, and then the manager compiles it all into a plan, right? Mm -hmm. And then they they review that with the, the owner. But if you don't have a coach... We've got something missing here. So now either I'm not going to hire you as a player at all, or I'm going to do it reluctantly, but I still don't really want to deal with you. I want, I, want my, I want my coach to deal with this and tell me what to do. The reason it's not a perfect analogy is, is to we'll, we'll, let's forgive ourselves here. There's, there's two assumptions that I think in generally we're making. Number one, that a, a single financial advisor can't play the game on behalf of the of the owner, right? We, we might be coming from the standpoint of we're dealing with a high net worth client with lots of challenges and complications. But what about the varsity game? Can we play high school ball where we actually have a two-person team like, okay, your offense, hey, turn your helmet sideways. Now your defense, right? <laughs> like yeah. the, re, the reality is that sometimes we have enough capability to handle a client on our own. Yes, we the do. The question is, are we positioning to the client as their financial advocate that is going to either I'll manage to my best skill, given the resources we have and the game we're playing on both offense, defense, and special teams. But once this gets beyond my either capacity to, I have enough time to play this game or my skill set is lessened, I need to bring in another party or work with your accountant is I'm going to work with your player. I'm going to, your orphan player. I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to adopt them on my team, but I'm in charge. Okay. So the question is who has accountability to the plan of the client and executing it and then making sure it's getting done. That's the real question. I think this touches on is who's responsible and are we communicating to the client that we're taking that responsibility? We're going to be their financial advocate and help them make good decisions, even when I'm not the person on the on the. We're going to judge them, and I'm, I'm if I have to fire them, I'm firing them. The other pro, the other assumption we're making, Derek, is that the team players are human. Is there a possibility? Ah, uh, yes. Right. Is the possibility that if I can't find a really good running back, that I'm going to add a robotic running back? What am I talking about? In a situation where I'm playing offense. I might choose a manager for my 
large cap growth strategy that's indexed and maybe even algorithmic because there's just no efficiency there. Okay. The best choice there for my offensive positioning might, in fact, one might argue that all of the team members could be robotic and I'm just pressing buttons. The key is accountability. You follow? I like that. Yeah. And that goes back to that earlier like, kind of issue we raised with like, how am I supposed to do this as a you know newer advisor? Well, here's how you do it, right? There are tools we can do to leverage this and we doesn't have to all be human. And, and to our other conversation, by doing this, it enhances the importance, maybe our, in, I don't know, enhances, spotlights, whatever you want to call it, the importance of our relationship as that team manager or coach now, the human element. It brings it back to that that they need that that much more. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I say it's, it's a challenging analogy, but here, here's the takeaway for this, I think, and, and we're forming this as we actually talk about it, is there is a role for a financial advocate who can make leadership decisions and be accountable for making sure that all the team members are working towards the plan. Some of those team members might be inherited, as I said, right? You already have an accountant. Let me work with them. You don't have an accountant. I got one, right? It's, it's building that team as you talked about before that makes sense. And, and I think we're going to be pressed as an industry for financial advisors to differentiate themselves as basically either being, I'm, I'm the coach. I'm looking at the bigger picture, team goals, culture, vision, impact, buck stops with me. I'm going to coordinate everybody. and You're going to pay me commensurately, or I'm going to be the best player on the field in my vein. I'm going to be the best estate planning insurance advisor and I'll join the team. Tell me who's in charge, right? Or I'm the best investment advisor to this even niche and I'm going to work with the rest of your team. But the key is to play what? Team. Team. Customers are looking for team coordination, collaboration, efficiency. And you got to either decide I'm I'm running the team or I'm, I'm with the team, right? And that's what I think customers are going to be looking for in the next couple of years or more. Um, no question. Their team. They're, they're looking for a team. Yep. Yep. And then let me just talk to one person the majority of the time on the team because I don't want to get bogged down in all the details. You know, I, I don't want to show up to Saturday morning practice. I don't need to do that. That's why I have a coach. Right, right, right. I mean, like if you have a gardener, if you're lucky enough to have a gardener, you you go out and talk to the guy who's like literally pruning the the... The, 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 I don't know, the flowers or mowing the lawn to try to say, listen, I was thinking about planting some trees there. Maybe if that's a one person shop and they do everything, or you talk to the, the person who runs a company, say, listen, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking bigger, I'm not thinking about getting into detail. So, so Derek, let's, it's, this is time to talk about the takeaways. What can, what can advisors who are listening take away from decide or delegate or do in their practice right now? Yeah, we we, we got to get tactical. We, that's one of this, the things we do here, right? As we're rethinking all this stuff. So I, I think to what you said just briefly a little bit ago, your title really should be a reflection of the identity you want to portray. So using a nice sports analogy, are you Michael Jordan, the star player? Or are you the head coach of the Bulls? And I'm messing up on it. Phil, Phil Jackson. Bill yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Who are you? Now, maybe you don't need to get as granular and, and say on your business card, I am the CEO or I am the head coach or whatever, but 
you think you get the idea here is like the story you're telling a new client or even a client maybe questioning the work you're doing. Like, who are you? Well, here's who I am, right? And I think it's really important that you just, and, and this should even you know help drive your marketing efforts a little bit. You could have a page on your website, literally that says, hey, here's how we operate. We are your head coach. You own the team. We're your head coach. This is how we help you. I, it, you can do a beautiful infographic in three minutes. You know, so I think there's something there. So I think that that's one of the most. That would be one of my first things to say. Like, is your title a reflection of the identity you're portraying? Who are you? Are you the coach? You star player? What are you? Yeah, that's. Um, a, oh, sorry. I was going to jump in there. I was going to say go for know, it. Th- that's a great point. By the way, those two players sometimes are paid drastically different. Uh, amounts and have different roles and responsibilities, right? They live and die by different metrics. Okay. A, a place, a, a star player has different metrics than a coach. Okay. The, the key there is about accountability to what you're going to focus on day to day. If you can't be the star player, hire a bunch of star players or manage a, hundred, a bunch of star players uh, to do this. But the, the, I think the key takeaway to that, that, that action is decide how you're playing on the team. Right. Cause it's a team sport. And, yep. and I think customers are asking for their professionals to work together and collaborate. That means they got to pass the ball. They got to work in the best interest of the owner. Okay. Which is get them to the playoffs. Okay. Help them, yep. you know, be financially better off because of you and your team. 100%. And to, to further this fun analogy we're playing on here, like, so the Bulls dream team, right? So what's something else you can do? Maybe you are that two-year star player and you're still figuring things out, or maybe you're 15, 20 years in and you're looking to do things differently. Proactively build your dream team. Who are the people that you need to come in? If you're just going to be a star player, then then get yourself drafted by the right dream team. If you're gonna mm-hmm. if you're gonna be the the head coach, well, what what silos, if you will, what players, what key players are you missing that you need to have on your team and go build those, go find those. And part of this is going to be driven by the type of ideal clients you serve. If you serve physicians, for example, their needs are going to be unique and different from those of maybe high net worth business owners or teachers. It doesn't really matter. So know that you might have to adjust the type of star players you're hiring based upon the type of business owner clients that you are serving, right? They're going to have different needs and, and so forth. So I think that's really important. And then we kind of already reflect, you know, talked about this, but tell clients this stuff, right? Put it on your website, have this wonderful uh, conversation where you can share this example of like, this is how we do things here. I am your head coach. If you hire me, this is what you get. This is how I operate here are my players, or if you're a star player, hey, this is my specialty. I am the star player on this team, and you're hiring me for this, but I can bring in other people or in- introduce you to the coach if we need to. You know, there's all these other pieces. But tell them how it works instead of asking them how they want it to work. Because yeah. uh, if you're asking them how to do this, it's like, it's like you know, the head coach saying, hey, um, uh, you know, team owner, can you come down here and uh, run these plays for my my, my players? Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> hey, boss, what do you want? Do you, you want more assists? You want more rebounds? What, what do you think we should be going for here? <laughs> what, what are we doing? <laughs> I'm not sure. You want to yeah, come sure. motivate the team? Because I'm struggling yeah. with it. <laughs> exactly. Don't ask Cuban to do it. He'll do it. I mean, that's uh, he will. Incredible. He totally that's will. The kind of, 
But is, that's a great point because you know, do you want a, you know an owner like Mark Cuton who's going to you know be very involved and passionate and have you know different types of standards, or do you want someone who's you know literally just showing up, you know, for the big games? Um, that's a really you know, real quick on that. Said. Yeah, sure, Adam. You know, I want to throw this out there: long, total long shot, but that's you know, some team sports are dead last and they end up winning the season. I think we need to get Mark Cuban's opinion on this directly. Can we do it? I don't know. I think we need to ask him to rethink things a little bit and come on here. So we'll see. I don't know, man. We're going to throw it out there, right? We'll see. Yeah, right. can't if he gives me. us more than seven minutes, that would be amazing. I'll take seven minutes. That's fine. Take, we will all um, take seven minutes. Pretty cool. So Mark, um, if you're listening or someone knows Mark, uh, yeah. tell him to, to hit us up on LinkedIn. I think Mark didn't Mark interact with your son though on, on something. Wasn't there a story? He, he sure him? did. Yeah. Um he's he sent a text back after I sent him a video of a, a small little business my my son started. So maybe I need to work that angle a little bit more. That's true. Well, even even from a, of course we got to turn everything into a learning opportunity, but that's that just goes to show that uh some owners are accessible. There are a lot of financial advisors that are not approaching high net worth, high profile people who need help and they're willing to interact. They just you got to reach out. You got to start that. Boy, that's another great, conversation. I got yeah. that lesson a couple times in my in my business, thinking that I was just too small to approach bigger clients, and and boy, they wanted help and they needed it. By the way, that's great. So I, my takeaways are, are are the following. One of the things you probably heard here is you got to know your strength, right? We got to know when to be a player and when to be a coach, right? Some clients need to coach; they don't even know how to ask for it. Uh, sometimes you need to just take charge. But sometimes you also need to know when to say, you know what, I need to bring in another expert here uh, and not feel embarrassed about it. I, I think customers in general are not expecting you to know everything about everything, but they do want to buy into your process of making decisions that serve them. And if they think you have a good process and they trust you and that you're aligned in your teams and their interests... Um, they're gonna they're gonna trust your judgment, and that's gonna be valuable long term to keeping them as as your uh, you as their advocate. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that I know many people have moved to this idea of investment policy statements. It was done in order to create accountability and, of course, show that there is a plan here. It's not just random asset allocation. Um, but but nothing stops us from creating what I think is going to be something a, a new a new process, which is called a relationship policy statement. Some advisors I know have done this for years. It's part of their ADV. It's part of their engagement. Uh, It's kind of, here's what you can expect from me, but here's what I need to expect from you. Not just timely payment, not just you'll show up to the annual review meeting or quarterly, whatever you're doing, but I need you to commit to the goals that we're going to find. Some of these meetings are going to be painful. Some of them are going to, we're going to be ahead of the game. Sometimes we're going to be on defense. We're going to have a lot of of losses in our column, and we're going to need to make some tough decisions. Some of them are going to have to require you spending more money to get a better player on the team. And that means maybe I need to make more investments. Maybe I got to invest in the field, even though you feel like the field doesn't need, you know, the pitch is fine. So we're going to need to make decisions. And I think having an understanding and saying that upfront could be really valuable to the long-term game of showing why you need to be managing this team for not just the next two seasons, but maybe for the next decade. And I think that's where you really create value. Explore this. I mean, is there a possibility of really kind of setting expectations upfront with a relationship policy statement or document. And number three I love is this. Can yeah, I interject, sorry. Adam? Of course. Sorry to interrupt you. I, no, I really love what you just said there. I think this is so important. This is more human. Investment policy mm-hmm. statements kind of eh. 
Like it's there, but it's like, this is more human. And like, if I'm sitting down with a new client, whether it's brand new or we're reviewing or whatever, and I could have this one pager, like an asset map uh, <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> that says, Hey, maybe, dude, maybe this is an idea for asset map. You guys could, could be. create something like this, but like that says, like, here are the different roles. Here's what we're doing. Here's our responsibilities. Oh, and by the way, you have responsibilities too. Mm-hmm. And here are the things that can go wrong. Here are the things that can go Right. Like if I if I have that on one piece of paper, even if you show it to me once a year just to remind me, like that's awesome. Like I get it now. I think that's so much more valuable than just like, hey, you made fourteen point three percent this last year, you know, or whatever. That's yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just well, no. This is but this is when we figure it out, right? It's in these moments when we actually kind of we actually Mm -hmm. rethink it ourselves, right? So the 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 add on to that, and I appreciate you saying it is. We need to, what's the big theme here? We need to promote the value that we provide. From the marketing standpoint, if we're not making it clear why a client should engage and or pay us to do a certain job, then we've missed the moment. So we need to explicitly tell them, here's all the stuff that you get when you when you sign in here, let me, here's the menu of all the great stuff you get. Here's what I'm going to do for you and so forth. So that's really what I'm talking about. Yeah. But and we, the tactic, a tactic yeah. with that, like you could do this on a one page infographic. You could. Go to canva.com for free and create this infographic in 10 minutes. Get a compliance approved. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's that easy to do. As needed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and I think so that's, that's the whole point. But I, I love the idea. And I've been trying to say this to, for many years. Tell the clients what you expect of them. Right. Yes. Right. I, yep. I know you're expecting maybe returns or performance from me. Right. I'm expecting savings and flexibility from you <laughs> because it ain't going to work <laughs> on a straight line. And, and there's going to be moments when I'm, we're going to need to catch up and start and pick up the pace, even though you may not be comfortable. Okay. So, because it, this is the time to make tough decisions and, and we, and you can, you know, imagine what those things are because you've lived through financial advice and they tend to be, you know, so I think you get it. Number three, I, I think that there's something interesting from the reading I've done around being a, a CEO um, or being a leader. Your compensation is directly tied to the importance of your decisions and how that outcome is going to affect, in this case, the team owner. Okay. So if you're making really big decisions that are really important, you should be able to charge appropriately. And the reason why this is important is because we will be facing a decreasing margin business simply because the efficiency of technology will make it cheaper for us to deliver that for which we typically have made high compensation relative to where it's going. Um, and I mean that that's, that's, I believe in my heart that we will see a uh, more efficient investment management marketplace and fee marketplace. I believe we will see a lower uh, compensation structure in the distribution arms of insurance and annuities. I think we'll see this in banking. I think we'll also see this eventually uh, in some legal outlets as we see you know, companies like Trust and Will, right? These are yeah. these examples of how they're going to disintermediate the legal marketplace that charge two, $3,000 to do a will. They're going to do it for a couple hundred bucks. And it's going to be good enough and it'll get done. And I think they're going to really put a lot of pressure on the professional marketplace to, to either show why they're adding value and worth two, three, four thousand dollars spends or find another job or, or re, <laughs> retool yourself. I think that's a great example. Like I've, I'm a user of Trust and Will. I read it all my estate planning docs. Mm-hmm. I paid them instead of an attorney, but I still have an attorney. Oh, right, that I pay for more advanced conversations and things that we need to right. do to get it done, and that's where that really it just supports what you're saying right there. It comes in, anyways. Cool. Yeah, um, go well, do those things, folks. Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> do, go do execute all that. <laughs> My next podcast. Um, so, but seriously, think about one of them that you can actually do. Now, this um, this is a uh, this is a question because the question came into you. I'll read it to you. Um, this question came into uh, to us from Evan in New York City via LinkedIn. And here's the quote. Can I read it to you, Derek? Yeah, go for it. He said, when considering marketing yourself virtually, do you think you need to have a CFP, Certified Financial Planner designation? What do you think? There's So there's a lot in, in this question. So Evan, first, thank you. We'll have to get a t-shirt over to you. I, I really, really appreciate this. So one, this goes back. So the CFP, we could tie that back to this whole episode, mm. right? Like, what is your role? What is your title? How are you marketing it? So I think that's important. But do you need to have a CFP? Do you need to have like this professional designation to market yourself virtually? I, I don't think so, right? This comes back to your identity and just being able to market yourself and that identity, whether you're a star player or a coach or whatever, that's fine. So Evan, no, I don't think you need to have a CFP. You know, I mean, there's a long road to get one, right? A, a, a lot of these these designations take time and and, and whatnot. So no, I don't think so. But I, I think you open up another interesting conversation about marketing, prospecting, and so forth. Um, because I think that this is a very important topic we have to look at here is like whether you have a professional designation or not, how are you marketing yourself virtually? Or as my friend Adam like says, remotely, like we're not virtual, we're remote. <laughs> but I think we need to rethink that too. So I, in short, Evan, no, don't worry about it. I think the bigger question and conversation is here, what are you marketing? How are you marketing uh, all of those things? Or are you just prospecting, right? Like there's a difference here. So I, yeah, I think this is interesting. I think there's, I mean, let's face it, the majority of advisors do not have a CFP. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I wouldn't use that as the barrier to entry to marketing. The barrier to entry to marketing is just knowing, I think your identity as well as your client's identity. The real question for me is, at that I think Evan is asking is, do I need the CFP for credibility to earn the audience with potential clients? In other words, is it going to be a leverage yeah. point on the marketing side for me to prove that? And I would say, ask the antithesis of it. Is if you don't have the CFP, what is the what are the questions that the CFP would have that designation would have answered to potential clients? In other words, is it addressing the objection before the question is asked? By claiming that you're a CFP, I happen to be a CFP certificate who actually got it, you know, 15, 16 years ago or more and then dropped it when I had enough credibility in my business that I said, I don't feel like doing the CE anymore. And it was getting aggravating to me. So I was like, ah, oh, this is, I'm too busy. I'm going to let it drop. It didn't, didn't affect my business at all. Ironically, I went back and did all the CE and got it again because in the role I was in, it lent itself to the credibility I was trying to portray. So no different than a CEO has an MBA. It gives them a little different panache. Um, it helps. Yes. It's a mar- so it's a, it's a question of how you use the marketing of it. Um, I would argue in many cases, unfortunately, actually, that the CFP become has become more of a marketing moniker than a uh, intellectual one. In other words, people use it because it it does open the door. Uh, it answers questions on, let's say, ethical alignment or otherwise. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they really have done the CE, right? They have really learned it and live the, the credo or the ethos of the certified financial planner as it's intended. So, but that's a, that happens in CPA too. I know plenty of CPAs that oh, can't sure. like, count, 
Okay. But they got a CPA. So arguably they can count. I don't know. It's an interesting question, but it's a great lead in because one of the things that we, we have both been getting a lot of requests to, to address in this is marketing. Right. Oh, this is such a big one to unpack because marketing is the opening of, you know, the funnel to bring in new clients, uh, to service existing clients, to, to talk about our team or our star player, you know, or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. This is a big one. Um, I fell into this by accident. I've actually become halfway decent at it uh, mm-hmm. through a lot of you know hard work and failures and mistakes. But um, that's what we're going to come on to. We're not going to get into it now, folks. But like we're going to unpack prospecting versus marketing and even paid versus organic marketing because uh, this is there's a lot to it and there's a lot of people trying to get our business to do this. Mm. Uh, I don't know about you, but I get pitched almost daily. Hey, I can get you X leads per month. Hey, I can do your social media for you. Um, so I think this is a, a hot topic for all of us. So we will unpack that and we will start doing that in our next episode. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This probably is going to be more than one episode because marketing is so big and there's so many topics around it. I've yeah. been finding a lot of advisors are just, we've never been given the training on what is organic or inbound or outbound or digital or what the heck is the social or what does it mean for me? Uh, it's it's very obscure and we never, most of us that have been in the business for any length of time never got we never got taught this stuff. Um, no, we were given you know, phone scripts. We know scripts. how to shake hands. Yeah. Is there foreign? <laughs> go, go to his charity event and meet some people. Like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> go golf and talk to the people that you're golfing. So, um, yeah, I agree. So this is this will be hopefully a good education uh, and we'll give some resources. I think we're going to actually interview some people uh, in this one. So there'll be some great opportunity over the next series. Derek, as always, I appreciate you and what you do for our community. Thank you. Likewise, Adam, my man. Thank you. Uh, It's been a pleasure. And uh, to everyone out there listening, thank you. We appreciate uh, it as well. And uh, just keep rethinking it. You got it, man. See you in the next one. All the best. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Rethink, the financial advisor podcast with Holt and Notman. Be sure to subscribe now and join the ongoing conversation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Asset Map or Connector. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.